Okay, this morning I'm going to read from uh, three different portions uh, this morning. I'm going to read from uh, Leviticus, the, the 14th uh, chapter. And then I'm going to read from the 16th chapter of Leviticus. And then we're going to go to somewhere in the New Testament. So we're going to see how many times we've heard of, <clears throat> we've referred to the Bible in terms of Old, uh, Old Testament and New Testament. Really, it's Old Covenant and, and, New Te- and, and New Covenant. And so in the Old Covenant is unfolded in germ, the New Covenant. And in the New Covenant, we see the Old Covenant fulfilled. And that's where, we, that's where we learn by all the types that are in the Bible. Again, this is, this is Romans 15 and verse 4. And this is also 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 6 and 11, where the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul said to us, and is saying to us this morning, we, his church, that we're to learn by those things, that those types, those people, and the things that they were going through, we, we learn by them. So here we are. I'm just going to the end of the 14th chapter of Leviticus, and this is going to bring out here, it's going to bring out what Christ has fulfilled. And when we read these portions in Leviticus, the 14th chapter, the 16th chapter, and ultimately we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, we're going to see how this has to do with propitiation. The Old Covenant refers to it in in many translations as atonement. Really, it's always the means of reconciliation. So we're going to see how that works in terms of propitiation, substitution, and and reconciliation. And we're going to see how all those things apply to each of us as an individual. Not only in terms of, of course, and the salvation that we have, and ultimately how we'll fellowship with Christ for all eternity in Revelations 2 and verse 17, but what we're going to be doing as we walk through this world system. And our walk through this world system has to do with propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation. And we'll see the height of the privilege that we have as the church. It's just incredible. So here we are in. Leviticus, the 14th chapter. I'm going to start in verse 48, and we're going to go to verse 56. This is dealing with the fact of leprosy. We know leprosy is a type of sin. And so in this portion, you'll see in Leviticus, the 13th and 14th chapters, where it's dealing with leprosy, sin, and how it affects the physical bodies. Here is a type of sin and how it would affect our relationship with God, but how Jesus Christ through propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation has dealt with that for us as individuals before God. It's really an amazing thing. So, and then how would, in the 14th chapter here, we're going to see in verses 48 to 56, how, and 57 through 57, how that, that, that uh, leprosy, until the whole house was cleansed, it had to be cleansed, or it would even affect the house where the person that had the leprosy would affect it. And we can see how, in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, how the sin of one particular individual could, could bring about sin and affect the whole local assembly. So sin in us 
and thank God when it's not dealt with, can affect the whole local assembly. And that's why when we come to hear the word and receive what we have in Christ, even as we at times, and God forbid, but we do in 1 John 2, 1 and 2, if we sin, we, ha- we are taught we have an advocate. And that has to do with propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation. So for propitiation, for God to be dealt with, and man to be reconciled, there has to be a substitute, and that's Christ between us. And this is what brings out these truths this morning. But again, here, here we are, is how this, this leprosy would even affect the house. It would have an effect everywhere. So in verse 48, Leviticus 14, it says, If on the other hand, the priest comes in and makes an inspection in the mark, the lep- uh, leprosy, the mark of, of uh, leprosy, has not indeed spread in the house after the house has been replastered. Then the priest will pronounce the house clean because the mark has not appeared. To cleanse the house, then, he will take two birds and cedar wood. Two birds are going to speak of the two lots of which we'll see in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. The cedar wood has to do with the aroma of the cross life of Christ was on it. Cedar. We know what cedar does and how it's a beautiful aroma. And this is, speaks of the life of Christ on Calvary, his humanity. And then it says a scarlet string. And we know based upon Isaiah 1 and verse 18, it says, though your sins be as scarlet, they will be as white as wool. And so we see here it was a scarlet string and hyssop. And hyssop was used, we see in Exodus 12, 1 to 13, it was used to, the hyssop would speak of faith, which would apply the blood and sprinkle it on the two side posts and on the, on the lentil. They would enter in and the death angel, judgment of God in type, would pass over them. Of course, it didn't pass over Christ as our, because he's the propitiation to God. He is our substitute. That propitiation now enters into uh, him as our substitute and we're reconciled to God. And this is what this brings out. In verse 15, it says, And he will slaughter the one bird in an earthenware vessel over running water. And this speaks, of course, of Christ and what he, what he did in terms of propitiating the Father. Propitiation has to do with the sin question. This brings in Genesis 22 and verse 8, when, when Abraham and Isaac were going on up to the Mount Moriah, which, which Abraham was commanded to do, and to take his son with him. And then as he was going to, he, the Lord said to him, I want you to offer your son now. He was teaching him something. I want you to offer your son. And notice what it says there. It says, your only son as a sacrifice. Can you imagine the trust that he had to offer? That's why he's called the father of our faith. He had to depend upon God with complete trust. And so, uh, obviously, he took the knife and was ready to do to uh, sacrifice his son. And then, of course, the angel appeared and said, "We see, you know, I, I've seen that you have absolute dependence upon God and what He said in His Word. You trust Him." And uh, then he saw a ram in place. You see, and so Abraham, Abraham did not have to sacrifice his only son like God had to. 
But Isaac, his son Isaac, had to be kept, obviously, because he would be the royal bloodline through which Christ would come. And so this is what this brings out here. He will slaughter in Leviticus 15, uh, 14, chapter 14 and verse 50, he will slaughter the one bird in an earthenware vessel over running water. Then he will take the cedar wood and the hyssop and the scarlet string with the live bird and dip them in the blood of the slain bird as well as in the running water. And of course, do you remember when they pierced, when Jesus was crucified, they, it was prophesied in 19 verse uh, 36 that they would not break his bones. As it was again, they did not break his bones as they did the other two, the, the two thieves that were on the cross in John 19 and verse 33. But they didn't, they did not do that to Christ's bones in, in Revelation and uh, in, in John 19 and verse 36. They did not do that to him, but they did. A soldier did take a, a, a spear and speared him in the side, and out came it says water and blood and this is what this is bringing out there is cleansing power in the sacrificial lamb and his blood and what he's accomplished and not only his his life poured out which was speech of his blood which again we need to make very clear was spotless that's what made it precious in first peter 1 and verse 19 again god is teaching us what we have in christ propitiation substitution and reconciliation, which is phenomenal. And so they were to be dipped in the blood, in the blood of that, that bird that was slain, as well as in the running water. So this brings out the beautiful truth, what we have in Christ, in 1 John 1, 7, where it says, walk in the light as he is in the light. And then you have fellowship with his son and experience the continual cleansing power of that blood, that sacrificial life. The only way, Christ is the only way that anything in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, makes any sense whatsoever. The Bible makes no sense without Christ, and there is no sense without propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation of who Christ is and what he's accomplished to his Father and for us. And so then, we see that again, that the live bird was dipped in the blood of the slain bird as well as in the running water. So we have the finished work, positional truth, but now we need to be continually cleansed in John 13, 4 through 10, to have our feet washed. And that's what the water of the word, this brings out Ephesians 5, 26 and 27, to cleanse us so that we can continue when there's interruption in our communion and fellowship with Christ it can be dealt with. And this again goes into 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 uh, through 10, and then 2, 1 John 2, 1 and 2, into 3 for ourselves. And so this is what it's teaching us. Then he, he will put it in running water as well. And then it says, and sprinkle the house seven times. Seven times. Seven in the Bible is the number of for what is finished. And this is applying the finished work of Jesus Christ because of, because of propitiation. He, was, he had to propitiate the Father first. This goes into the burnt offering. The priest, when he would go in, Aaron is the type of Christ, he would always offer first the burnt offering. This is dealing with the sin question. Then he would offer the sin offering. 
to offer Christ as the sacrifice, whereby all those who choose him in John 1 and verse 12 would be reconciled. So here it says they would sprinkle it seven times. Verse 52, and he will thus cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and with the running water. Are we the house of God? Yes. Are we the, the, the home, supposedly the home of God the Father, God the Son, and God the, the Holy Spirit through Christ in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16? Yes. We're not our own. We were bought with a price in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. And so here it says again, he will, he will what? He will cleanse what? The house. He will cleanse the house. And then what? However, he will let the live bird go free. We have the freedom. Galatians 5 and verse 1. For freedom's sake, based upon propitiation, substitution and reconciliation, for freedom's sake, Christ has set us free. And that's why Jesus said in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so, of course, he was the way, the truth, and the life, he said in John 14 and verse 6. So, however, in verse Leviticus 14 and verse 53, however, he will let the live bird go free outside the city into the open field. The field in Matthew 13, 38 is the world, We're gonna, the world system. We're going to see how this works in such a beautiful way. And the privilege that we have, even to still be in this world, is amazing. So he will make atonement, reconciliation for the house, and it will be clean. We're clean, positionally. And he keeps us that way through washing our feet with the water of the word so that we can continue to have intimacy and the purity of fellowship with him. In verse 54 of Leviticus 14, it says, This is the law, the teaching for any mark of leprosy even for a scale and for the leprous garment or house and for a swelling and for a scab and for a bright spot. What? To teach, to teach. See, all of this is teaching us who Christ is and what he's accomplished in propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation. To teach when they are unclean and when they are clean. And so we come to hear the word and when the teaching comes in to us in the areas in our life that maybe even nobody knows, but God himself does through the word. Others, we do know how it's to be dealt with in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, but also how that should be dealt with in Hebrews 2, 10 and 11 and 12 to teach there is forgiveness, but things need to be dealt with in our life so that we can have fellowship with Christ and then be a joint that has supply to fellowship with others in 1 John 1, one to three. And so this is what it's teaching. We come, okay, is it an area where we're functioning, where we're not clean, where we don't have intimacy and fellowship because God can't look on sin? And back at one in verse 13, his eyes are so pure. He sees us only in Christ. He sees us in Christ. He wants us to see how we see ourselves when we're outside of him. And this has to do with the depth of his love. Again, and that's why it says, when they are unclean and when they are clean. He said, this is the law of leprosy. And we know sin is leprosy. It's pride. <clears throat> and God will have that to be dealt with. Then we look in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. 
This is called, again, the teaching, the doctrine, the teaching of the law of atonement or reconciliation. Verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of two sons of Aaron because they functioned outside of their place. They, they did something that only Aaron could do because he was the type of Christ. They offered fire and sacrifice on an altar. You see that in Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. And, of course, God took them home early <laughs> because of their disobedience. And so, when they had approached the presence of the Lord and died, see, we can't approach him. We can now because of, because of Christ. This was the type that was being fulfilled. They died. The Lord said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron that he shall not enter in at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, or he will die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. And it's very interesting. The propitiatory, that's what it says. The propitiatory, the two Greek words that reveal propitiation. It reveals, first of all, who is the propitiation? That is Christ. That is the Greek word elasmos. Elasmos, H-I-L-A-S-M-O-N, elasmos. An S at the end, I should say. He's that person. And then he becomes that place for us. And he is the helisterion. And that's why we see in 1 John 2, 1 and 2, these terms are brought out beautifully. Again, it's all teaching us about the sacrifices. See, the burnt offering had to be offered to God first. Dealing with the sin question, that's John 1, 29 where it says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away not the sins of the world, the burnt offering. Okay, first he had to deal with the sin question. It takes away the sin of the world so that God is free now to offer, and we're going to see this when we get to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. He could offer his son freely to whosoever would receive them, receive him, and thus become sons of God into a new, brand new born-again family in John 1, 12. So, again, he says that you will not do that, but up over the propitiatory, that place, Aaron will enter the holy place with this, with a bull, with a bull, he with a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering. Remember the ram? Instead of Isaac, it was the ram in Genesis 22, 8, 9, and 10 through 13, that's, that's Christ. See, the ram for the burnt offering. That deals with the sin question. And now he's offered as a sacrifice for a sin offering. He will put on the holy linen tunic. This is putting on the righteousness of God in type. He could go into the presence of God because he had the righteousness of God. We can go in now. Anytime we want, as high as priests, go in, because we have on Christ. They're garments of uh, salvation, it says in Isaiah 61 and verse 10. And that is putting off, and we're going to see how this worked here. It's putting off the old. This is Ephesians 4 and verse 20 and 24, and putting on the new. We put off the old, and God is having us to deal with this through teaching. You put it off. It's not who you are. 
Old things in 2 Corinthians 5.16 are passed away. Behold, in Christ, all things are what? New. There's a brand new creation, it says, in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, and in Galatians 6 and verse 15. And out of this brand new creation that God has made available, his son, becomes people whose sins have been dealt with. They come out a brand new creature out of this brand new creation. This is what the... The teaching is for us this morning, which is incredible. And, and, uh, and then it says, and the linen undergarments will be next to his body. You see, next to his body. And he will be girded with a linen sash and attired with a linen turban. These are holy garments. Do you remember when the prodigal went away? He went out of the house. And when he went out of the house in disobedience, he ended up with filthy rags and he came back. And he met, and his father met him, was waiting for him in Isaiah 30, verse 18. See, this is, this is Luke 15, 11 to 32, the, the prodigal. He came back, and he was already a son. He just ended up with filthy rags and disobedience and sin and leprosy, and again in, in the type, and needed to be cleansed. Again, the two birds, the two goats we're going to see here what they represent uh, in, in such an incredible way. And then th that was taken off of him, and look at the garments that were put on him. This is what it's teaching again, over and over again. See, the only way that any man or woman could ever know God in all his fullness had to be through his son who propitiated the Father, became our substitute. That propitiation now entered into him as our substitute, so he he would be offered as the sin offering, and we would be reconciled. And what an amazing thing that is! And we're going to see the privilege that we have now, not only to, of course, to experience that intimate life. The whole time we're on this earth, we can experience that intimate life, but also the privilege, the height of the privilege of what He has for us to do, each of us, that only each of us could do as he leads us, and we follow his steps in 1 John 2, 6. We follow his steps in 1 John 2 and verse 21. And this is what it says, that then he will, have the, he will be girded with a linen sash, attired with a linen turban. These are the holy garments. And he will bathe his body in water, again, and put them on. And he will take from the congregation of the sons of Israel two male goats, a sin offering is one, and a ram offering, a burnt offering. Then Aaron will offer the bull for the sin offering, which is for himself, that he may make atonement for himself and his household. He will take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Where it says tabernacle, always in the original, the tent of the meeting. And where do we meet God? Through Jesus Christ. He's the tabernacle. That was the tabernacle in John 1 and verse 14, where it says the word of God was made flesh and dwelt among us. He tabernacled himself in a, in a spotless, impeccable human nature. His incredible truths that are being brought out. It's the only way the Bible makes sense. It's the only way from Genesis to Revelations and in between that it makes any sense whatsoever. There is no sense no proper thinking outside of Christ, who was the very mind, 
we have the very mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16. And we're to let it be in us in Philippians 2, 5. We're to let it be in us and to let it dwell richly in us in Colossians 3 and verse 16, to make room for it. So God deals with sin, moves that out, and moves Christ in in greater degrees of intimacy. And this is what this is bringing out here. So he will take those two goats. He'll take those two goats and present them before the Lord at the doorway, the entrance to the tent of the meeting. Aaron will cast lots for the two goats. One lot for the Lord. This is the burnt offering. This is propitiation. This is Genesis 22 and verse 8. One lot for the Lord, burnt offering, propitiation. The other lot for the scapegoat. Scapegoat here in the Hebrew literally means the goat of removal. He's removed all our sins. He's removed them as far as the east is from the west. In Psalm 103 and verse 12, he's crucified our old nature in Romans 6, 1 through 6. He's dealt with all our sins. It's such a fantastic thing that he has done and wants us to, to be in remembrance of it because the only way that we can know God, and God will make himself known, but the only way that he makes himself known is through his son. And we'll even know him in greater degrees for all eternity, or others will know him but miss him for all eternity. And this gives us a great privilege in why we're still in this world, not only to grow, but as we suffer his will to lead others to him. We will see this in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. We're almost ready uh, to close. <clears throat> and this is what it says, that he will take the two goats, present them before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Aaron will cast the two lots, one lot for the Lord, the other lot for the scapegoat. Then Aaron will offer the goat on which the Lord, the lot for the Lord fell and make a sin offering. And the only reason that Christ can be that sacrificial sin offering is because there had to be a lot for the Lord, a burnt offering. And we can see the offerings there brought out very clearly in the scriptures in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, as well as many others that fulfill the type of who Christ is and his person and what he accomplished to the Father and for us. And so then he will offer them, but the goat on which the lot of the scapegoat, the goat, the goat of removal, will be presented alive. This is the new life that we have in Christ. This is Colossians 3 and verse 3. You died. You died in him. And in Romans 6, 9, he that dies once dies no more. Death, death becomes the doorway into our eternal intimate fellowship with him in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 1. And so here we see in the beauty of the scriptures, and the beauty of the word of God that Christ is, that we are presented alive before the Lord, and he never removes his eye from the righteous, in Job 36 and verse 7. And then, to make what? Presented alive before the Lord, to make atonement upon it, to send it into the wilderness. You see that? He saved us, but now we're to grow in grace in this world, not only to grow, but to be used as a testimony to him for others. To others. So they were sent into the wilderness. The wilderness is the world system. We're in it, in John 17, verse 16, but we're not of it. Neither was Jesus in John 17 and verse 14. And that's why he says, sanctify them uh, through the truth. Your word is truth. And even in 17, 19, Christ set himself apart as that propitiatory 
sacrifice for us to be reconciled. He's the means of our reconciliation. We're already reconciled. There's nothing left to do. The work is finished in John 19 and verse 30. And then we'll close with 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. And, and as God, the Holy Spirit, as only he can do, can take these scriptures and bring them into a beautiful preponderance and correlation and bring out the beauty, listen, of who Christ is in us and who we are in him. And this is 2 Corinthians 5. And this is the privilege that we have. And we're going to see this. And every, every circumstance and situation that we go is an opportunity for intimacy with Christ personally. And this is abundant. John 10, 10. B, Christ came that we might have life. We have it. He is our life. We already have that. And then what? And more abundantly, meaning we have so much that our cup overflows in Psalm 23 and verse 5, and he's given us plenty because he knew where we would be and who we would be with to give it to us. And this is what's going to be brought out here in 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5 in verse 14 says this, For the love of Christ constrains us. It holds us together in a vice. No wonder we make it through everything. We look back and say, oh, how'd that ever happen? How did I get to here? Well, he was holding us in the vice of the love of his son in Colossians 1 and verse 13. And we know that for the love of Christ controls us. Oh, boy. It's, it's literally the only way that that flesh in us can be controlled in Romans 8 and verse 9. He has to be in control. We are not a master of ourselves. We see this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. No man is master of himself. No man is in control of himself. And if Christ isn't in control of us experientially based upon our position, we'll just live just like the world. And then we'll live by worldly lusts. Again, again, it says here, for the love of Christ constrains us, controls us. Having concluded this, that one died what? For all. He did this potentially for all. That's propitiation. Therefore, all died because all were dead. And he died for all so that they who might live no longer should no longer live to themselves like the world does. See, there's a difference. But for him who died and rose again, literally on our behalf, we rose with him in Romans 8 and verse 11. Therefore, from now on, listen to this, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Listen, nobody. We don't judge them. Now all our sins are dealt with. We don't judge when someone else lives in sin. We don't do that. You know, people come in just like they, how did we come in in Romans 5, 6 through 10? Who did Christ die for? We must never forget that. We must look at everyone, every person, as we had the privilege to do last night with people. And we might be, the enemy might choose to have us to be consumed with, with some of the chatter and things that they talk about, but God would have us to see them just like this, to see them like this. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to their flesh. 
even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, his body, yet his humanity, in a different way than any of us, yet now we know him in this way no longer. We don't know him any longer that way. And we know everyone in the potential because God is not willing that any should perish in 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. In Ezekiel 18 and verse 23, he's not willing that any should perish. And we're to view them in all their potential. We're to view them that way and not be their judge. There's only one. And so he said that, no, not to know anyone any longer that way. No, don't, don't. Oh, he did it for me. Oh my God, he did. He can do it for them. If he did it for me, he can do, he can do it for anyone. And so we see here, therefore, for us, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. He's a new creation. The old things passed away. They're not in the process of passing away. We know this from this truth that we have just read. They have already passed away. away. Behold, new things have come. We're to know everybody in the newness of the potential that they have and to love them and not be their judge. And not to measure ourselves, just be, by to measure ourselves without the grace of God and what He's given us and His mercy, and then to look at them. No, not at all, not at all. And uh, <clears throat> now all these things are from God. We have that. People in your life, are they sinners? Are they lost? Are they? And they speak sometimes useless chatter. Well. Who didn't before before you and I even met Christ? Who didn't? Everyone has such potential. Everyone. But we know this in grace, not in the driven spirit, by the way. Not in a works of the flesh, but in the gentleness. And by the way, we would never go after them the right way without a yoke. And you know what the yoke does? It constrains the flesh in us from not being in control and trying to control others and make them to do something and to be ready for Christ when they're not, and he hasn't even yet made them that way. And I agree with that. Now, all these things are from God, who who reconciled us. See this? Propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, listen to this, gave us, Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So incredible. So incredible. To look on, to look on any man or woman with the love of Christ. Not an ounce of judgment. Not an ounce of comparison. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. That's what he's doing. Listen, not counting the trespasses against them. Trespasses. Even what they knew to be wrong. Can you imagine if God stopped loving us when we knew what we should have done and shouldn't, and we did it anyway in James 4, verse 17? No. He's not counting their trespasses against them. Don't view them that way. He didn't view us that way. Again, Romans 6, Romans chapter 5, 6 through 10, and then having that joy in verse 11. He is not against them. Listen to this. He is not against them. Oh, boy. Oh, God. What a message. And he has committed and given us the privilege of that word of reconciliation that Christ is in us. 
we're going to speak outside of him. We would know them outside of them. Then we'll know ourselves in the flesh experientially and not in the position. And we'll close with this. Therefore, we are his ambassadors for Christ. Oh, what an opportunity. What a, what a privilege just to love people, serve them. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us, and he is. We beg you. We beseech you. We do. And sometimes if we can't minister to them just right, we pray for them. Pray for them and wait for God to give us a word of wisdom, to speak a word in season, a word of wisdom. And do it gently and humbly. And not any irritation, no suspicion, no suspicion in love, no irritation in grace. Though we beg you, beseech you, on, on behalf of Christ, and I'm thinking of these people, be reconciled to God. He loves you so deeply. Why? Because he made him, his son, who know no sin, to be the sin sacrifice on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I just, as this morning earlier while I was at the sink doing things, it was almost as I was saying in my mind to the people that were around the table last night. Even if you wouldn't believe this, wouldn't you want someone to love you so deeply, no matter what? Never leave you nor forsake you. To do every single thing for you, no matter what? You could spit in his face. You could spit in his face in Isaiah 50 and verse 6. And he will love you. Wouldn't you love, wouldn't you want someone like that? Even if you don't believe it's true, would you like, would you, would, wouldn't you like that? Yes, well, it's true. It's true. And Father, we thank you for the, deep, the depth and preciousness of your love this morning. And we will never see them the way you see them until we realize and see ourselves in Christ for every single individual. Every single individual, God. We just thank you and praise you that this is your heart for mankind. And it's no different than your heart for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.